Welcome to the podcast, Crime Salad, where we talk true crime. I'm your host, Ashley, and with me always is my husband and partner in crime, Ricky. The purpose of this podcast is to honor the victims through ethical storytelling in the hopes of preventing future tragedies. We want our stories to resonate and educate others in hopes that some of these similar cases with identifiable patterns can be prevented. Now, before we jump in, please let us warn you that this is a true crime podcast. The details of this episode may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion advised. Hey, Crime Salad listeners, this is Ashley with Crime Salad, and just a warning, this podcast contains discussions of suicidal ideation, which may be difficult or distressing for some listeners. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts, please seek help immediately. Contact a mental health professional, a crisis hotline, or emergency services for support. Listener discretion is advised. So this week, we are going to Aurora, Colorado. There's a dentist, a very successful dentist by the name of James Craig, who was married to the love of his life, Angela Craig. And together, they had six beautiful children. They were married for over 22 years, and their children ranged in ages from 8 to 20 years old. They lived in a spacious home in the quiet, upscale neighborhood of Aurora, Colorado. And from the outside looking in, their lives seemed absolutely perfect. They were upstanding members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and were both deeply engaged in their religious community. But behind closed doors, James was hiding a dark secret, several dark secrets, which we will get into a little later. But the biggest of his secrets was the fact that he was carrying on a torrid and illicit affair with another dentist. She, too, was married with children and living in Texas when the two met and began a long-distance affair. Her name is Karen Kane, and she has her own orthodontics practice in Marble Falls, Texas. At the time the affair became public, Karen was also allegedly divorcing her husband to be with the married father of six children. While James and Karen were planning a life together, Angela was busy supporting her husband while the two climbed out of a financial mess that James created with his risky investments in cryptocurrencies and gambling debts. But James had a plan that didn't involve working hard or filing for bankruptcy for a second time. Instead, it involved getting rid of his wife and allegedly collecting on her life insurance benefits. Total classic move. Starting at the end of February 2023, James began putting together a sinister plot to slowly poison his wife, Angela, with small doses of a deadly substance. Now, taking a close look into Angela's social media, she regularly posted posts of her big and loving family. She shared posts on their birthdays and holidays and funny and heartwarming text exchanges with her children. Text messages will play a very big part in this case. They will help to reveal the truth about James's brazen betrayal and secret hidden life filled with addictions to pornography, gambling, 
and lies. Now, Angela's sister said that she thought about leaving him several times, but that he always managed to change her mind. One time, he even told Angela that he would kill himself if she left him. Angela's sister would later tell authorities that James had been addicted to pornography since he was a teenager and was prone to having multiple affairs. His dental practice, Summerbrook Dental, had recently filed for bankruptcy protection in 2021, and James had to sell half of his practice to a friend from dental school to save it from closure. Despite their tumultuous relationship and James's erratic behavior, Angela continued on social media, sharing the happy life that she tried her best to create and maintain. She would affectionately share how much she loved her crazy life. In 2016, she openly praised James for helping with housework. In one Facebook post, she wrote, quote, How many times has Jim come home from work, looked at the house, and looked at me in obvious confusion? See, I told him throughout the day about how busy I am, but when he comes home, he only sees me standing amidst a disaster and saying, I finally got those pictures hung. To his credit, he totally understands and jumps right in to help me every time. And that's what makes him smoking hot, end quote. Now, knowing who Jim really is, his kindness is nauseating. And it's super heartbreaking to know how he truly felt about his loving and devoted wife. In a 2021 press release for his dental practice, he described himself as happily married. He went on to say he is a husband, father, dentist, theme park junkie, opera lover, football fan, cook, fisherman, and a snowboarder. Soon, he would be able to add a murderer to that list. A year later, in December of 2022, unbeknownst to Angela, he began telling friends and coworkers that he wanted to divorce her. He claimed he only stayed because she became depressed and suicidal. Ironically, the opposite was actually true. Five years earlier, Angela discovered that Jim had drugged her. He explained it away by saying he had feelings of depression and suicide and only drugged her to prevent her from preventing him from killing himself. A work colleague would later allege that their fights were so bad that Jim would often have to leave work at lunch due to their fighting. But that wasn't true. Jim left work early to have sex with another woman. Now, a few months later, at the end of February of 2023, Angela went to visit close family out of state in Utah. When she returned a few days later, she began feeling ill. While visiting, her sister described her as perfectly happy and healthy. What Angela didn't know was the same week she was gone, Jim was preparing for her unexplained death. On February 27, 2023, James, who had his own laptop and computer in his office, was seen sitting in a dark lab room. Lab room number nine. The employee who found him in this dark room using the computer thought that his behavior seemed suspicious. And she was right. On February 27, 2023, Jim created an email address that couldn't be located on his phone, his work computer, or his home computer. That email was jimandwaffles at gmail.com. The emails began on February 27th and ended on March 16, 2023, which would be the day that Angela would die. 
The contents of those emails documented the purchases of several different types of poison. The digital forensic evidence shows that James got onto Google and began a series of disturbing searches related to poison. Those searches included, how many grams of pure arsenic will kill a human? And is arsenic detectable in an autopsy? He began looking for chemical suppliers around and near Aurora, Colorado. He settled on ordering arsenic metal shavings from Amazon with a prepaid credit card to be delivered to his home address on March 4, 2023. In the description for the item, it stated that arsenic is often believed to be used for murder and has been the subject of many crime novels. There was also a warning that said, quote, the real danger is in swallowing it, which could very well prove fatal. But James wasn't sure that this would do the job. So between 3.22 and 3.28 p.m., he began searching for pure arsenic on the Alpha Chemistry website, which sold various types of arsenic. Then James began consulting Google again, believing that the computer lab room could never be tracked back to him. He asked, quote, how many grams of pure arsenic will kill a human? Next, Jim went to YouTube to make sure that this was his best option. He watched a video called, quote, Top 5 Detectable Poisons That Show No Signs of Foul Play, How to Make Poison, and the Top 10 Deadliest Plants That Can Kill You. He must have had doubts about the arsenic metal doing the job, so he googled how to buy oleander. Oleander is a highly toxic plant that contains a potent cardiac toxin. All parts of the plant, including the leaves and the flowers and stems, contain this toxin, which can be deadly if ingested in sufficient quantities. James found an article that described oleander as the perfect poison. But James didn't have time to grow a shrub or plant it. He needed something that would work quickly. Next, he read an article on arsenic and cyanide. It was lengthy, but listed some of the symptoms of cyanide. The symptoms were weakness, nausea, difficulty breathing, seizures, or cardiac arrest. Later, these symptoms would match perfectly with Angela's symptoms. It was also explained that cyanide was very difficult to detect, and often it's too late by the time doctors diagnose it. On March 9th, 2023, Jim placed another order confirmation for poison. This time he ordered potassium cyanide from Midland Scientific Chemicals. This order was originally placed on the 6th. However, James needed to provide a statement of use since cyanide is heavily regulated. Basically, James had to prove that he wasn't seeking this poison for nefarious reasons or human consumption, which of course he was, Instead, on the statement of purpose, he said that he was a dental surgeon and he needed this chemical for use in his dental practice for a research study that he intended to publish. By this time, he had already poisoned his wife twice with arsenic metal shavings, and both times she recovered and was released from the hospital. James also had his mistress coming into town and needed to resolve his wife problem. He asked if it was possible to personally pick up the poison on March 9th, but the facility needed more information for its intended purpose. While all of this was going on, James had his mistress in town from March 8th through March 10th, with a return trip planned for the 16th. That would be the same day that his wife died. Eventually, the purchase was approved, and James expected the delivery to be Friday, March 10th. 
We'll go through the text messages between James and his wife, all while he is actively trying to obtain the poison needed to kill her. When the poison didn't arrive on the 9th, James was frustrated. He corresponded again with the chemical company and was told his shipment would arrive on the 11th. On the 11th, James again contacted the chemical company to complain his poison hadn't arrived. Now it was scheduled to be delivered on the 13th, his day off. James told his office manager that he was expecting a personal package and to make sure that no one opened it. On March 1st, the following text message exchanges occurred between James and Angela. By this time, he had already purchased the arsenic metal shavings. So I'll be reading Angela's text messages that were being sent to James, and Ricky is going to read what James says to Angela. I have to do everything alone. Your healing and happiness, this marriage, is more important than my day. You are more important than my day. Thank you. I know you're getting ready to go out and spend some time with Tony, and I would like to ask that you keep last night's conversation details just between you and I. I trust Tony, but it was hard for me to even tell you that stuff. I'm definitely not ready for anybody else to hear it. Of course, I wasn't planning to talk about any of it. I haven't actually talked to Tony about any of the last few months since that initial conversation. I'm sorry. I know she's kind of your outlet and your strength and support and somebody you can always go to to vent. I hate taking away even a part of that since I know this is really, really hard for you. Police believe this discussion was about the fact that James had recently gambled and lost $2,000 of their money in Las Vegas. He had recently taken out a million-dollar mortgage on their home and allegedly lost it all in cryptocurrency. As a result, their finances were in dire shape. At this time, James was expecting a package from Amazon to arrive on the 4th of March. Two days later, James prepared Angela's morning shake, and that's when she began feeling sick. The next conversation happened on March 6, 2023. Thank you so much for making my drink this morning. I just love you. I hope you have a great day, and I'm so glad you're back in town. You're welcome, baby. I love you, too. I think my body is not liking the caffeine this morning, either. My stomach feels fine, but my head feels funny and dizzy. Very strange. It's been a week since caffeine for you. Maybe your body's saying no thank you. I did a full scoop of caffeine and a full scoop of B vitamins. Is that how much you normally take? I'm super shaky. Oh, no, I do a small scoop of the B vitamins. It feels really weird. Oops, sorry, baby. That's okay. It will wear off. I am dizzy and my eyes don't want to focus, but I can get the stuff done that I need to this morning. Maybe you should lie down. I'm laying on my face on the mat in my room. You have a bed, you know. I'm stinky. Just seems excessive for a little extra supplement. Pearl's flying in this morning to see me. I totally forgot. I think she's flying out today, too, though. I don't feel right in my head. Do I need to come home? No, this is just weird. I'm dizzy in my head and my eyes are working slowly and my body is responding slowly. That sounds really wrong. I'm going to come home. I don't like this. You can't. You need to work. I'll throw on some clothes and sit with the girls and see if it goes away. Okay, I'm probably overreacting, but I don't like that. 
I can cancel patients for the morning or move some to Dr. P if needed, so if you change your mind, let me know. It feels more like I feel when I take heavy meds and everything adjusts and moves slowly, like I'm moving in a thick gel. My eyes are struggling to stay focused. At this point, James was feeling hopeful that the first round of poison would do its job. Yet, he keeps up the act of a very concerned and loving husband. Did you take your blood pressure? I don't know where one is. Okay, if you do end up wanting me to come home, I'll bring one. I have a bottle of magnesium in the second drawer down on the left side of my sink. Take one of those. Have you eaten anything? I had my protein shake and magnesium makes me weird. This is not hungry. Are you nauseous? No, I feel drugged. Given our history, I know that must be triggering, but just for the record, I didn't drug you. I'm super worried, though. You looked pale before I left, like in your lips even. James doesn't want his wife to suspect that he had poisoned her. And in an epic level of gaslighting, he tries to convince her that she's either having a stroke or developed diabetes. I was plugging your symptoms into Google, and a stroke matches some of what you're describing. Do you have any weakness in your whole body or just one side? And is it both eyes or just one that feels blurry? It feels like my whole body and it's tingly and my eyes are struggling to focus. Are you still laying down? I got in my bed. Okay, good. My whole body feels so heavy. Something's really wrong. I'm coming home with a blood pressure cuff. If nothing else, I can at least help the girls stay on track while you rest. Please come get the dogs. Sorry. Also, I want to shower, but I'm worried. Okay, I'll come help. I'm all done and headed home. How are you feeling? Same. Belle's making grilled cheese. Thanks, Belle. I'm all done here and heading home now. I would like another blessing tonight if there's someone who can help. Okay, I'm sure we can find someone. That night, James took Angela to the ER, convinced his plan was working, and preferred she die in a hospital rather than at home. After giving her fluids, they released her the same evening. This prompted James to go back to the office, to lab room number nine, and try to purchase cyanide. At this point, the arsenic metal shavings were only making her sick. In addition to the cyanide, James also placed an order for $330 worth of dried oleander. This purchase was eventually intercepted by officers and never arrived. The next day was March 7th, and Angela continued to feel sick and weak, but she was still very much alive. You don't have to miss work today. We don't have anywhere to go today, and the girls and I will be fine. I'm starting to think I'm just sick, and this is a part of it. I'm going to try my primary care physician this morning, and we'll see what we can do. I may just have Belle take me to urgent care this morning. I should have had you do that yesterday. The ER is useless. Sorry. No, you're fine. It did help us rule out a lot of the other scarier things, so I'm glad we did it. I'm kind of wondering if maybe I had a sinus infection and I didn't really even notice because I got so used to them and it turned into an inner ear infection, and that's why it felt like it came on all of a sudden. Let's hope. So, how are you feeling compared to yesterday now that you're up and moving around? Same. Jeez. I'm not sure what you were expecting. I don't think this is a sleep thing. I don't know either. I was hoping that maybe the worst of it was behind us and you were going to start feeling better over time, I guess. 
On March 8th, James's mistress came into town, and the two managed to spend some time together at a hotel, in between James pretending to worry about Angela's not-so-mysterious illness, of course. This is also the same day that he tried to pick up the cyanide in person the next day, but was declined. These next text messages took place on March 9th, 2023. Did the ER give you any paperwork yesterday? Only the discharge paperwork on the island. It didn't have any of your blood work results or your MRI interpretation or even the glucose numbers. Since you're out and about, I really think you should go over there and see if you can get a copy of it. I don't want to tell you, but I feel like you would be upset if I don't, but I may have passed down a little this morning while standing in the kitchen. I just remember holding onto the island because I was dizzy and then Violet in my face saying, Mommy. Um, thank you for telling me because that would have been a good moment to call 911. I just waited for Belle. It's weird because my eyes seem to be focusing better today. Well, that's good, I guess. I woke up with a headache and spots in my eyes. The spots went away and my headache is still there. Sorry, baby. That sounds awful. Your family is out of control but hilarious. I'm aware of both of those things. Wow, that's weird. Not doing a urine test here. They recommend I go back to the ER, but my A1C was normal yesterday, right? Isn't that what the ketones are? Never mind. She told me that they don't have the capability to do that test, but my primary care physician should. I'm tired. How did your talk with Matt go? I need a new doctor. It went fine. He says it sounds like diabetes to him. He said when your sugars are high, the lens in your eye expands and makes it hard to focus. You can get mental confusion or become really tired and weak. And he said that would explain the audio disturbances you had too. He's really disappointed that the ER let you go without at least giving you some insulin. He said that we need to find you a primary care physician and call them and say that you're a new diabetic and you need to be seen sooner than later. He was hoping that somebody could get you in as early as today or tomorrow. I don't want to be a new diabetic, so I would rather not say those words. Tell Matt to stick it. What should I do? I love you. It was so nice hanging out with you and just watching a show and snuggling. I'm sorry that you still aren't feeling well and that you feel like I'm disappointed at all. Just feeling empathy for how hard this must be for you. Hopefully things can improve and get better. I'm also grateful that the last couple of days have allowed me to have more flexibility in my schedule. God really does know what he's doing. Are you feeling anything particular for dinner tonight or this week? At this point, James knows whatever he poisoned her with wasn't strong enough, and he needed to either try again or try something stronger. While actively planning his wife's death, he did an amazing job at impersonating a caring husband. And the text exchanges went on like this for days. I'm having a hard time feeling okay being sick, and even a harder time knowing whether that's me or you. I could tell that you were worried yesterday, but... I guess I just think that they sent us home and said nothing was wrong, and you think I should be fine. I realize I could be reliving the past. It's just hard, and frankly, really scary, and I don't feel like we addressed that at all. But I don't even remember most of yesterday, so maybe we did address it. I'm a crazy person. I'm not feeling anything particular about food tonight. So again, in this text message, Angela is referring to the time that she caught him drugging her in the past. At this point, we're all screaming, get out of that house and get away from him. But of course, we know that's not what Angela did. 
Even with Angela calling him out on her suspicions, James still made plans to end her life and take away his children's mother in a callous act. By the next day, Angela was feeling so much better. In one text message, she told him she was drinking her protein shake, sitting on the couch and counting her blessings. She wanted to update James so he wouldn't worry about her and he could work and pay off their many debts. He insisted on coming home and bringing his wife lunch. At one point, Angela even apologized to her family. In another message, James complains about all of the text messages in the family group chat from her family regarding her health. He complained it was interfering with his day and his ability to work. In other texts, he repeatedly checks on Angela himself and tells her he loves her and loves checking up on her. All of this while still wondering why she didn't die from his first two attempts at poisoning her. In another message, he states, quote, I'm going to trust that you're just sleeping and not dead somewhere. I just finished up with what I needed to do at work. I just left the office. I'm going to stop at King Supers on my way home and grab a couple ingredients to make dinner tonight. Love you. That was on the 8th. Police believe that's the second time James tried to poison Angela in two days. The next day, she would go to the hospital for the second time on the 9th. At this point, he's still trying to convince his wife that she has diabetes and that this will all resolve itself once he can get a glucose monitor and get her officially diagnosed. In the meantime, he's wondering when his order for cyanide will arrive. On March 10th, one of James's packages of poison was intercepted by Amazon. It would be three more days before the cyanide arrived. On that same day, James has the audacity to text his hospital-ridden wife and say, quote, It's really busy and crazy here, but that's all the case when you're not around. I want to be up there with you 24-7. I love you and miss you, and I'm so worried. I wish you were healthy enough to come home tonight and snuggle me. But thank you for staying there so that I can feel like you're being cared for by professionals. I love you. I'm excited to have you home again. I'm kind of feeling a little bit like I'm drowning, but I'm doing my best. Once again, Angela was about to be discharged. And once again, whatever he was poisoning her with wasn't working. He had a million chances to see how this illness was affecting his children and change his mind. Instead, he remained dishonest in his words and actions while continuing to plan his wife's painful death. The next morning on the 11th, he told Angela he had a dream about making love to her and he missed and wanted her. Although I bet he was silent on any dreams he had about his mistress. So that package of potassium cyanide was delivered to James's office on March 13th, and the package was accidentally opened by an employee. The office manager realized that this was the personal package that James was talking about. She looked inside and saw a warning label for potassium cyanide. Then she closed the package in a way that James would never know that it was opened. Two days later, Angela was back in the hospital and was quickly placed in a drug-induced coma while they tried to save her life. It was at this moment that the office manager began connecting the dots. James was in the dark using a computer in lab room number nine, and the package he didn't want to be opened contained a deadly poison. She called Ryan, James's good friend since dental school and business partner, and told him what she suspected. 
Ryan and his wife, Michelle, headed straight for the hospital. Upon arrival, they spoke briefly with James. While he was on the phone, they pulled away a nurse and shared their suspicions that Angela had been poisoned by her husband with potassium cyanide. Ryan observed James meeting with the doctors and then crying after learning about Angela's prognosis. They left the hospital and within minutes, Ryan received an angry phone call from James. He told Ryan he had received some disturbing information from the hospital staff that Ryan had accused him of poisoning his wife. Ryan said that he knew all about the package and to save his lies. James, who is a masterful liar, insisted that that package that he's thinking about was a ring that he purchased to surprise his wife. He told Ryan that the package was sealed and he couldn't possibly know what it contained. Ryan again called him out on his lies and said that package was opened and then resealed and he knew exactly what was in the box. Again, James pivots with his lies and makes a comment that Angela asked him to order the cyanide, but it never occurred to him that she would actually take it. He explained that Angela was playing a game of chicken with her ongoing threats of suicide. This is something that everyone who knows Angela denies. James told Ryan that he didn't know the truth and asked him to stay out of his wife's medical issues. Now, later that evening, Angela began having seizures, and due to intracranial pressure and a lack of oxygen to the brain, she was placed on life support and did not regain brain activity. Angela died the next day, which prompted James to text Ryan again, asking him not to cooperate with the police. Now, his wife just died, and he decides to send this very lengthy text to Ryan. It states, quote, Good morning, Ryan. Thank you for taking my patient load today. I want to make an urgent plea to you. If we were ever friends, please do this favor for me. Please don't talk to anyone about what we talked about last night, including any law enforcement officers. You are under no obligation to answer their questions unless you are served a subpoena and you will do more damage than good to my family by continuing to insert yourself into this. Angela is gone and I'm devastated. There is nothing that can bring her back and I want desperately to tell you all of the details so that you can better understand what's gone on behind the scenes with her. There is so much that you don't know that I wish you did. If you knew everything, this would make so much sense to you, but there's no use in telling you right now. You and I have history of you and the other partners and Jackie all talking about me behind my back and deciding what you think is best. And then you're always the fall guy that has to pull the trigger or tell me what you've all decided about me. In fact, yesterday, you didn't even come to me. I had to seek out to you. You have never given me the advantage of talking with me first. You just decide and then act and hope I'll pick up the pieces later. This is a pattern in our business dealings and now has become a factor in our personal dealings. Let me paint a picture for you of what this has done. Yesterday, I had to tell my kids their mom was not going to wake up and they were there to say their final goodbyes. That was at 6.45 p.m. The hospital said we could bring the kids up to say goodbye at that time, but because of the investigation that you opened with your incomplete information, the hospital made those poor, grieving, hysterical kids wait until after 10 p.m. to see their mom. 
After an hour or so of saying goodbye to her, we went home just before midnight, only to have our house sealed against our entry by the police. Instead of getting to go home and find comfort, they were met with flashing lights and cold, unfeeling cops. And the kids, scared and confused, had to go to sleep at the home of a ward member. Family is starting to come into town today, and I have to tell them that they can't come to my house, and I have to try to explain why. I have to hire a homicide attorney to make sure I don't end up being painted in the light that you know some hungry DA is anxious to paint me in because I am most likely going to be charged even though that is absolutely not what happened. Ryan, I understand why you did what you did. I do. I get it. But if you had come to me personally, man to man, instead of talking to everyone else about what you thought you knew, I might let you in on some details that would make you less likely to cause this horrible storm. Man, Ryan, if you had only put me higher on your list of priorities instead of putting everyone else's opinions and gossip ahead of me, for what? For that, I am very, very mad at you. I have talked to you about this multiple times, but you don't seem to care, and now what you thought was responsible has become reckless and so, so destructive. And so I'm asking, if there was ever any love in your heart for me, please don't make this any worse by talking to any officers or anyone else about this unless you are legally forced to. And whoever else on the team you think is going to be questioned, I would ask that you privately ask them to honor this request too. Also, please don't respond to this text message until I text you again. Now, shortly after sending that message, James's phone was confiscated by the police. On March 16th, the day after Angela's death, his mistress sent him an email with her condolences. It read, quote, Hi, honey. I'm so sorry for what has transpired this week in your world. I am sorry I am not a part of your world to be of more help to you, and instead I am pulling you away. This is so hard. I want to be and do whatever I can to support and encourage you, and I don't want to add to what has become an incredibly difficult time. I can't imagine what it is doing to you to walk your kids through this. I do want to give you any comfort I can, but I do not feel it is right for me to mix in with all those gatherings to mourn Angela either, and I do not want to meet your family as a friend and try to conceal what I feel for you. I am praying for you and seeking God's wisdom for this time. Now, just last month of the recording of this episode on March 18th, 2023, James Craig was arrested and charged with the first-degree murder of Angela Craig. And now Angela's six children have to live without their mother. If you are experiencing domestic violence, call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or go to thehotline.org. All calls are toll-free and confidential. The hotline is available 24-7 in more than 170 languages. And before we take off here, I just want to thank Rebecca and Karen for becoming patrons this week. Thank you both so much for your support. And thank you to all of the listeners who follow us, listen to us. Thank you so much for supporting Crime Salad. It means the world to us. We will see you next week. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. 
I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.